Recently, I asked all my friends on Facebook, what kind of personal and professional failures have you committed that led to your growth as a human being? How did you feel at the time? Gerard Longo says, I need to think about specifics, but generally, the rule of thumb has been the worse the feeling, the bigger the rebound for me. Jenna Rose said, the failed marriage that led me moving to moving to Nashville and put me on the exact path I was always meant to be on. I never would have made it here without that. Anna Egris says, getting a DUI made me seriously take a look at WTF I was doing with my life. My good friend Taylor Mesplay says, opening an idealistic fine art venue in a redneck mill town that didn't value fine art an hour away from artsy people. I felt heartbroken at the time, but it was a great lesson. My good friend also, Jim McCarthy says, failure is not exclusive. Everyone fails. Everyone. If you aren't failing, you're stagnant and it will never move you forward. It's what you learn from your failure, how you change, then perspective. That's the difference. Looking back, I fucked up a lot. Whether it was work, music, or my interactions with people. Every time I got called out by someone older, wiser, or both, it hurt. The initial shock and disappointment I felt was immeasurable. I felt shame. A gut reaction that I couldn't even begin to process. Which was, I was wrong. I lost a sale, I wasn't ready for a gig, or I spoke very clumsily and hurt someone's feelings with my bluntness. The initial reaction was to blame the source or the circumstance of what my perceived problem was. How could it be me? I didn't even know there was an issue. If I'm unaware there is an issue, it's not my problem. Because fuck them. But after I calmed down and came to the realization that it was me, I often felt despair and disgust with myself. I'd start the pity party. How the fuck could I be so blind and stupid, etc., etc. I spent a lot of time beating up on myself, never being able to move forward. Professionally speaking, I've dropped the ball many times. I got cut of a lot of slack when I was young because I was young. As a salesman at BEK, I was forced by my boss, Gil Buffalay, to go out of my comfort zone. Gil is a former Navy admiral and very intimidating. I both feared and respected Gil. Every Friday, we had a business consultant, Jim McCarthy, come into our office and teach us about sales. He talk about Sun Tzu and the art of war and say that coffee is for closers. It was like crack to me. Something that embraced my psycho nature. I didn't even know it was possible. It made me arrogant. After all, I was a rock and roll copier salesman. Faking confidence and trying to prove to both myself and the world that I belonged. You want to be liked. Jim said to me one day in our conference room, in front of God and everyone, it cut straight through me. Disgusted and taken aback, I said that I didn't care, which was a lie. I didn't want to be liked. I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be in a place that was my own. I reeked of insecurity and everyone could smell it. I was usually the youngest in every situation I was in, mostly by 10 years. I had joined BNI, Business Networkers International. 
Every Tuesday, I'd go into the basement of an auxiliary school board building in Bath, Maine, and we'd each give a two-minute speech on who we were, what we do, and the company we work for. But the first time I had to, for the first time, I had to master the art of standing up and speaking to people. In the boardroom on Friday to prepare for this, I was put on the spot by Jim. He asked me to stand up and give a 30-second elevator pitch. They wanted to see me try. They weren't expecting perfection. I stood up. My knees were shaking. And there I was. I felt naked. That was the hardest time. But it got easier every time after that. Failure happens to all of us. As Jim McCarthy said on Facebook, it's funny to look back on everything that I failed on. Most of the time when I failed, I was very upset at the time. I would get taken down a couple of notches by the people around me who were much older and much more experienced in life than me. I did not like that. Um, and then it would send me into a shame spiral. And that's where my own flaws come into uh come into play I wasn't able to deal with any kind of criticism when I was young because it just hurt so bad because my internal voice my inner critic was already self-critical enough therefore people saying the kind of things that I already felt and thought about myself destroyed me it pulled me apart I didn't know how to deal with it yeah there was plenty of failure as a young salesman I would go into businesses, knocking on doors, dentist office, construction company, whatever there was, and tried to get them to buy our IT services. Because you don't really make money off of selling them product. You make money off of selling them services in IT. It's like you can sell them a server, and yeah, it's a big sale up front, but the way you make money is by maintaining that server. That's the way it was with uh, warranties when I worked in a music store. We didn't make money off the product, really. We only really made money off the warranties. Exactly. And that's business 101. Yeah. So every Friday, we would go into our conference room with Jim McCarthy. And he would say all kinds of crazy shit. Say all kinds of crazy shit to me. He would ask me why I didn't have a girlfriend. He would ask me all kinds of personal questions because he saw right through me. He could tell I was insecure. He smelled it on me. I was very insecure. I didn't have an idea about the world. I thought I did. I didn't even have an idea about myself. There were some things I would say that I inherently knew from a young age, and there were some abilities that I had, and people have always been my ability. What they noticed about me, though, was that I needed to hone the skill of listening. What is listening to you, Millhouse? Well, processing the information, speaking to you. Okay. That's definitely a part of it. Yeah, well, for me, like, sometimes I'll hear something that'll go right through. The, especially if somebody tells me their name. Like, I feel so bad. In but one if you, ear at if the if other? You, if you tell me your name, I, I, I'm going to have to see, like, at least one or two more times, and then I'll... I'll I'll get it. <laughs> to me, what I learned was listening not only includes what someone's saying, it's also what they're not saying. Mm. 
listening to their body language. Yeah. Listening to the way that they're speaking, their tone of voice. Listening to how they approach a situation. Yeah. And evaluating. That's what truly salespeople do is they evaluate and size someone up to see how serious they are about buying a product. No one likes to be sold to. Everyone likes to buy. Yeah. Dude, this is true, man. That's some. That's a skill that I never really learned when I, when I was a salesman. Was like sizing people up to see if they actually wanna wanted to buy. You know, like I, I did not have that that trait. What people want is the green light mm-hmm. to buy. Yeah, they've chances are they've already made the decision and they're just looking to you for confirmation, or they want to see you try. Yeah, that's true, dude. I mean. That's that's kind of what it was a lot of times when I was working uh, as a salesman, you know. Sometimes they just want to have words of reassurance, I guess, that they should buy the product. Everybody buys emotional. Yeah. And it's it's like that with everything in life. Life is all sales. Yeah. That's like why advertisements make you feel a certain way. Is they're they're making you they're giving you emotional connection to the product. Like you uh do you remember the uh Budweiser commercial with the horse yeah, that they play. Yeah, every year that they the play. Super Bowl? Every, yeah, like that's like an emotional. It works though, dude. Those Clydesdales, <laughs> man. I just see them running in slow motion. It brings a tear to my eye. It makes me think I live in America, dude. <laughs> Greatest country on earth, number one. But it, it works, dude. It works. Sure. It works. I mean, uh, I think it was Freud's nephew. Freud was a, a famous psychologist. It was his nephew that started working at, on Madison Avenue mm. and started figuring out how to sell people things. It's why every commercial you see, there's like a sexy woman or something like that in it. And if you really want to unravel it, even now, okay, so our world is a much equal place than it was 20 years ago on all fronts. It's not perfect on ter- in terms of race, sexuality, all of that stuff. And there's a lot of people who talk shit about seeing like mixed race couples in commercials. Doesn't bother me. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Doesn't bother me either. No one said it did. Oh bud. my god. <laughs> um, where was I going with that? Okay, so we're <laughs> seeing this. I think so much of that in the public psyche now is is not so much these companies don't have goodwill. Okay, they don't believe in fucking equality. No. They want to sell product. What they like, what buyers like, is feeling like that product is making them a better person. What's your opinion, Bagel Bites? You remember that from Bo Burnham's special? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's like, I think it's good that we have all this representation in our culture now. Yeah. Inequality and all that stuff. I'm not talking shit about that, but I am yeah. talking shit about these yeah, yeah, yeah. these companies. Mm-hmm. But I'm going off on a tangent. I want to get back to this. Looking back now, what did any of the people that I worked with when I was younger see in me? Professionally speaking, jobs-wise, they saw a scrappy, insecure punk who was always ready for battle. I was ready to fight, but I was not prepared to fight. I was always looking to win a war off of pure brute force alone. But the benefit, the golden benefit I had is that I was teachable. 
When I came down from an emotional tirade, I was ready to start over and zero in. Oftentimes, I would verbally stomp all over people and yell about whatever it is I thought business, life, or whatever we were talking about was. I had not yet learned the art of listening. Listening is more than just making out auditory sounds. It's reading between the lines. It's understanding human behavior. When you are young, you do not have insight about self-awareness. How can you have self-awareness when you have no awareness of the world? I had gotten no business from BNI. I had no idea how to communicate with others because I didn't know how to process what I was thinking and feeling. And BNI had two allies, Jennifer and Ryan. I can't remember where Jennifer worked, but Ryan worked for a construct, construction company. Every week, I had to have one-to-ones with people from all types of business, from mortgage loan officers to Reiki healers. You know what a Reiki healer is? No. So a Reiki healer is a person that takes, they heal like your energy. What? Yeah. What? And this was in a business setting, dude. I thought it was such bullshit. It made me so angry. Oh, that's wild. Um, but the point was, I was blissfully unaware of everything and everyone around me. And whenever anybody tried to talk to me about something I was doing wrong, I didn't want to listen. I just wanted to get mad and get accusatory and write them off completely. I never feel like I'm actively making a decision. Pathways in our brains decided long ago based on repeated action. Hitting the snooze button on my phone, wasting time on TikTok, or eating Chick-fil-A three times in one week. Or listening. But as time goes on, I find it easier to listen, to understand others, and understand the world. And it all starts with taking a look at myself. Where am I standing? Truthfully, I think there was a lot of things I could have done better, but you live and you learn, and sometimes you get burned. Sturgill Simpson, yeah, direct quote. It is true, man. Yeah, sometimes you're going to fuck up. I mean, I fucked up a lot, and um, it just is what it is. You just got to learn from it. Try not to do it again. Um that's the thing, though, you know. Uh, I My biggest thing was, you know, like getting fired from my first job in Nashville. That was the first time. that, And, and I went through like a similar thing. I mean, my boss was very aggressive. You know, he was a very angry person. Um, and uh, he just couldn't get through to me because, you know, I wasn't assertive enough as a salesman. Because I wasn't. He could smell the insecurity on me at the time. I was not confident whatsoever. No, I've I've gotten a little bit confident, more confident over time, just a little bit. But I mean, that was that was one of my first biggest fuck ups, and um, it's rough, man. You just have to live and learn. Progress is slow too, mm-hmm. and it goes back and forth. It's never a straight line. No, you know, it's it might be ten step ten steps forward, but forty steps back. <laughs> yeah, it's like that for everyone, dude. You know, I I can remember 
this one time when I was working at the Maple Room. Mm-hmm. I was really uh, pissed at my parents because mm-hmm. I wanted to go see uh, The Dark Knight. I was maybe like 16 at the time. Um, I was supposed to work that night, and uh, this was important to me. There wasn't many things that I gave a fuck about. I didn't really give a fuck about much, but I cared about like movies and new albums and stuff like that, art stuff. Yeah. And I remember this whole night, I just had a shitty attitude. And uh, Taylor Mesplay, my boss, called me out on it. Mm. He was like, why are you being this way? Why are you acting this way? I was being real shitty to my parents. I was super upset with them because I didn't, uh, I didn't understand. You know, I, I felt slighted by my parents, which that, that was from other baggage. Yeah. I can see that now. There was other things I was upset 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 with them about yeah um but yeah i remember when when taylor and his his wife at the time rebecca sat me down to talk to me i was really upset Mm. i was very upset yeah um because they just said i was acting like a dick and i wasn't really considering anybody else in this situation which is entirely true um i had just gone gone around like thinking that i could speak to anyone the way that I wanted to based on how I felt. And it would be very overwhelming for me to be confronted with the truth that I potentially hurt a friend. Mm. I think that was the hardest thing for me to deal with. Um, And it can feel like you're getting ambushed, but that was never anybody's intention. They were trying to help me and teach me something. But due to my own lack of self-awareness, I took it as a personal slight. Yeah, for sure. After I became an adult on my own, though, and this, I don't know at what point that I stopped thinking and feeling that way, mm-hmm. um, but eventually it, it happened. I, I think once, once I, I got through working at BEK and I was preparing to move to Nashville, that was probably the end of it for me. Mm. And there was victories along the way. I mean, there, there was plenty of victories along the way, but it's always hard to, to feel that achievement and feel those victories in the moment or even after the fact. I remember the first sale I got was for this, uh, like this tennis court, indoor tennis company mm. that, was, that was run by like a former like professional tennis guy. Real nice guy. And I went in there. I had the sale all prepared. He didn't even look at it. He just accepted right away. Oh. <laughs> I just told him, it's this, this, and this. And I, I had this whole speech and this whole spiel laid out <laughs> of what I was going to do, what I was going to say. If he had any questions, I was going to come at him about it. Yeah. Um, but he was just like, this sounds good to me. He's like, I trust you. And he trusted me. You know why he trusted me? Why? Because he liked me. Mm. And because also he didn't know anything about technology and I was young. Yeah. So he inherently trusted me about it. Yeah. Because I was young. But there was plenty of people that didn't want to fuck with me just because I was young. Because young people have a lot of problems. Mm. It's They have a lot of energy and they have a lot of problems. Yeah. It's like getting a new puppy. <laughs> It's great to have a puppy. It's great. You're so excited. You look at it. It's cute. It's young. It's energetic. It it wants to play all the time. But 
it shits and pisses everywhere inside. <laughs> and it cries when you leave the room. That's funny. <laughs> that, that's what it's like. I ended up getting the check, leaving there, and then heading to, uh, heading to back to BEK. And that was the first day I met Jim McCarthy. Oh, wow. I was supposed to be there a lot earlier, but we got stalled up because of the uh, the IT guy. Yeah. He was taking his sweet time doing everything, and he shouldn't have been. And we get in, and Jim McCarthy says, hi, Jim. Or he says, hi, Taylor, I'm Jim. And I said, I'm Taylor. I was so afraid. That's all I said. <laughs> And everybody laughed. <laughs> and I was the youngest person in the room by at least 15 years, oh, 10 wow, years. dude. That, that had to have been nerve-wracking, dude. Yeah, but I was also very stupid. <laughs> so it didn't bother me. Dude, I feel that. <laughs> I was just dumb, you know? I didn't know. There was times that I should have been intimidated I didn't know to be. I didn't know to be. And it wasn't, it didn't have anything to do with whatever the circumstance was. And, but I think that brazen stupidity is what led to my downfall a lot of times. Because mm. I would show up and grab my nuts, no problem, and jump in the circle and get ready to fight. <laughs> but on the back end, because I was always ready for battle and I was never prepared for battle, I would fuck shit up. When someone fucked something up, everybody just assumed it was me because it was me. I fucked everything up. If I lost a client, if I did this, if I did that, it was never anybody else but me. There was something I didn't listen to. There was something I didn't pay attention to. I pissed off one of my coworkers and they didn't want to work with me anymore. They didn't want me to be the salesman on any of their projects. And they were right. They were right every fucking time. Did they handle it the best way? Maybe not. But their feelings were correct. Yeah. Were they just being a dick to be a dick? Maybe some of them were. Yeah. But most of the time, no. People wanted to see me succeed. It came from a good place. Dude, I've been there a lot. Whether it's been work or whatever. I mean, dude, it's... it's Sometimes it's me, dude. Like, and... And, um... You know, because I have a, I have a lot, of, lot more responsibility at work now, and so I'm fucking up more. You know, just because I'm ad adjusting, because I'm 20 and I don't, I don't know dick about anything, like you know. And um, so I've definitely felt that, like lately, in some cases. When did you realize you didn't know anything? Uh, pretty recently, honestly. Like I've just kind of started to realize, like I don't, you know what I'm saying, like. Some things like I'm I'm certain about, you know, but other things like I'm still having to learn. Yeah, and, and and there is some things that you inherently know that like if you're in charge of a situation, you wouldn't do it that way. There is um I feel like I always have this though and it it always helps me grow is when I think I'm doing good and then I find out I'm not and I take a step back and actually look at it, then I actually grow. And it doesn't fucking feel good, dude. It sucks. Oh, yeah. It's painful to feel like you've let people down. 
I think that's what stung the most for me is feeling like I let someone down. Yeah. Um, but people always felt open to tell me when I was fucking up. Yeah. They would let me make my mistakes and then they would tell me, you're fucking this up, you're fucking this up, you're fucking yeah. this up. Like I crashed a forklift two days ago. Like shit ain't been good, you know? But, you know, I had to learn from that mistake. Always strap it down on the forklift. That's what she said. <laughs> But yeah, sometimes you just got to learn the hard way. I mean, you got to crash a couple forklifts to figure out you can't drive a forklift, I guess. And it's not just that way with work either. I mean, it's it's like that in life. Oh, yeah. I'm mean, dealing I'm, with people. I'm using work as the analogy. Yeah, there, work, but, is, work I mean, is a great analogy for it. Um, but I, I can think of a thousand relationships. Yeah. Even now, I have to like watch myself and really observe what it is I'm thinking and saying and professional like music situations Mm -hmm. or in relationships with like dating wise oh yeah for sure yeah i I get that with like um just personal life too and how you handle stuff and what you can say to i i've kind of learned this lately even if you don't you should always if it's like business you should always kind of give words of reassurance about something that way they know something's settled you know what i'm saying it's always important to communicate that's what i'm trying to say yeah oh yeah communication like that that was my biggest flaw when i first moved here and i'm i mean it's probably still my biggest flaw now but i'm trying i'm actually trying to work on it you know like if you know just like with scheduling for the podcast even you know we communicate pretty well on that mm-hmm. and kind of and keep up pretty well um, but that, that was one of my biggest flaws for sure. It's hard to do. It's hard, especially when you're trying to spin a lot of plates mm-hmm. and there's no way to please everyone. Yeah. Yeah. There is no way to please everyone. That's, that's for sure. I mean, it is difficult to like balance that between pleasing everyone and trying to make yourself happy. I think it starts with. The individual first, because going back to when Jim McCarthy cut through me and said I wanted to be liked, I did. I wanted to please everyone, but I also had an arrogance to me that I would just be done with a situation and Mm. didn't give a fuck. The times I got most upset were when people were saying something that was truthful to me Yeah, and bombarding me with yeah. things I wasn't even aware of. Those were the hardest pills to swallow. If someone was coming at me and saying saying something that I didn't even realize I was doing wrong. And in that moment, I realized it and I felt like shit and I would get defensive and I would verbally try to beat on them to fight off. But that was a self-defense mechanism. And... All it really does is it, it it just sours. It makes it made me look stupid, mm-hmm. you know. And I, it didn't really sour the opinion of those people that were trying to help me. But if I would have approached it wrong, it would have. Yeah, because I just needed some time to calm down and process whatever it is they were saying, and then come to them and then have a conversation about it to where I could talk with them. And I could ask them questions of how I should approach things differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, 
I guess uh, knowing you have a problem is the first step to growing, you know, realizing, coming to realize that you do. And then, uh, you know, whether it's writing down a list of ways you can get better, or just like planning out how you can get better, you know. And it takes practice because it's easy to falter from that list too. Yeah. Even though you write it doesn't mean it's going to get done. Yeah. 100%. And that's the way it was for me for a long time. I would write something down and be like, great, I've done the work on myself. But yeah. now it's like to, to really process things, I, had, I have to write things down in my journal and completely deconstruct whatever it is. I was listening to a podcast with Chaz Palminteri, as we mentioned before, um, uh, last week when I, I gave that quote. The worst thing in life you can do is waste waste your talent. I'm paraphrasing. I can't remember yeah. what it exactly was. But Chaz talked a lot about emotional pain and how it's a useful tool. Emotional pain makes me very uncomfortable, and I've spent most of my life trying to avoid it. Whether it has been with people, family, friendships, dating, relationships, um, professionally with music, doing the things that I think are good for me to do and feeling good about them. It can be anything, anything in life that's out of your comfort zone <clears throat> makes you feel emotional pain. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, hitting the snooze button yeah. in the morning. That, that is an avoidance of pain. Mm -hmm. You don't want to get out of bed. Your bed yeah. is safe. Yeah. It's you won't want to hit snooze 10 more times. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to do, to try to avoid stuff like that or try to just linger and like not wanting to work on yourself, just wanting to like just chill, you know, not actually wanting to do the work. Uh, it's easy to fall into that for sure. It's just easy autopilot. To, to fall into it and it's easy to avoid it. But it's even more easy to not even know it's a thing. Yeah. Because it was like, once I learned it was a thing, then I'm like, what excuse do I have now? Yeah. And one thing I think was important for me was learning not to go against myself morally. Yeah. And to go back on something I said. The instance that I can think of for this is working at the apartments. Oh, yeah. And I've told this story before about the girl blowing all those dudes and them only f firing the chick. Yeah. Super Morally, fun. I should have quit in that very moment to save my own soul. But I sacrificed it by continuing to work for them. And it made me feel like shit. And I went on a complete downward spiral spiritually because every day I did something that tainted my soul these people asked me to keep a secret that was not my own yeah and they never directly asked me they just said we're not going to talk about this anymore yeah that was super fucked definitely but it lived with me every moment of every day I was in an environment I was living in the apartments so I could never escape it it was my whole world and it can be like that in relationships too. You see someone that you're dating and they say something to you that you don't 
like or that makes you uncomfortable. It gives you that that internal reaction where you kind of squeeze up mm-hmm. and you still stay with them. Yeah. Because and there were times that I did that where I didn't want to be alone. I didn't want to have to be with my thoughts. I didn't want to have to be with myself because then I would have to acknowledge and recognize that this person wasn't good for me or perhaps I wasn't good for them. Yeah. And I went back on the things that I said were important to me and it hurt me. Yeah. I've been there before a few times. So, I mean, I I definitely know what you're saying. Uh, it could be definitely hard to get out of stuff like that when you're in it too. It can be very difficult. Why do you think that is? Why is it hard to get out of something when you're in it? And it not just with relationships with anything. Um, Fear of change, I guess, could be one thing if you're used to something. If you're used to doing the same thing every day, you know, and you fall, or, well, not even the same thing every day, but like a habit, you just don't want change. Or um, I guess that would be one one reason that somebody would, you know, be afraid of getting out of something, you know? Well, change is a form of emotional pain. Yeah, that is true, emotional pain, yeah. And it never, change never fucking feels good up front. Yeah. It's like nine times, like, I don't really like moving. You know what I'm saying? Like moving house to house and stuff like no that. No one does. Yeah, I, I feel, I mean, it's just, for one, it's like so much fucking work. Like, yeah. you know. It's a lot of planning. Yeah, it's a lot of planning. You're running back and forth to two separate locations, you know. And then you have to balance that between, like, your work life and everything. And like, just try to figure trying it out. Trying to make money. Yeah, and trying to make money when you're, like, losing money. Um, yeah. But other than that, like, even just, like, switching location, like, you know, it just sucks. Like, um, just having to redo. Um, but, yeah, I think I compare that, you know what I'm saying, to, like, um, emotional pain, too. Yeah. I I totally uh, totally get what you mean. It, it's, it's, it's never uh, – it never feels good, but a change – Long term is never bad. I mean, there are things in life. Someone gets sick, someone dies. Those are never good things. Yeah. And those take a while to recover from. But everything else, you get fired from a job. Find a new one. You find a new one. You get kicked out of a band, you find a new one. Or you figure out why you got kicked out of that band. Yeah. And you have to go back to square one. I remember I had this one gig that I had to go out to Knoxville for. It was my first time playing with this particular guy and I just did not feel ready as I needed to. And a part of that reason was looking back on it. Now I was a perfectionist about what it is that I was trying, like trying to get everything perfect, 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 but it doesn't need to be perfect. It's music. Yeah. You just need to get the chord changes down and focus on that. I tried to nail every lick, every run, all that shit. And I would bog myself down in the weeds yeah, I've been there. I've just trying to trying to get everything exactly right, but you focus so much on getting things right, you fuck up something else. You know what I'm saying? And that's completely natural. Yeah, I've 100% been there. It's like you work so hard on one thing, but you forget about everything else. <laughs> I've definitely been there. Um, and it's a struggle. Like you got to balance everything that you're doing. You know, throughout life in general. Like to me, like adult life is just learning how to balance everything that you're doing. And that's adult life. And to feel good about the performance that you're giving while doing it. Yeah. And to give yourself some free space to, you know, clear your head. That's huge. You know? 
and and not having that free space can really like hurt you as far as like your performance oh yeah absolutely well it goes back to having like anxiety and stuff like that that was something i dealt with for a long time i didn't know how to manage um and i mean i didn't really start to get better with that until i started doing yoga meditating yeah um trying a bunch of different things that maintained my body and my mind yeah i mean the longer you sprint the more likely you are to trip as far as like in life you know if you're just going 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 never stopping never you know never meditating or doing yoga or anything like that you're gonna fuck up something it's having blinders on Mm -hmm. like a horse race but there are times yeah that those horses they roll over and die because their hearts explode yeah because they're all roided up and shit yeah yeah that is true did you know that uh they don't let horses piss before a race what why so they run faster so they can piss i move faster when i have to pee yeah that i mean you know that actually makes a lot of sense but how do they stop them from peeing I don't know. That's the real I, question. I said that. I said that, but that might be complete bullshit. I, dude, I don't know about that. How do you stop anything from peeing if it's got to pee? I don't know. Squeeze its balls. <laughs> Is that going to stop it from peeing? You didn't know that they hire a uh, professional horse ball no, squeezer at dude. racetracks? No, they don't, dude. No, they don't. Have you ever been to a racetrack? I, no, but I doubt they're at the fucking Kentucky Derby grabbing horse balls right before the race. <laughs> I don't think that's how that fucking works, bro. <laughs> Millhouse, it sounds like you found a new job, bud. <laughs> Professional horse ball grabber. <laughs> you think you could be good at that? No, dude. It's uh, too big of a job to handle. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I've, I've never squeezed horse balls, so I wouldn't know. I've never been to a horse race. I've drove past horse races. Really? Yeah, like the Kentucky Derby all that shit well they have that one down in franklin too oh yeah that is right uh what is that one called i don't remember it's one of the like the big three horse races i've been to like a rodeo i've never been to you know the horses running over shit and jumping over shit have you been to a west virginia rodeo (laughs) no i've not i've not i've not um i've not been to like somebody's rodeo i've been to like one they had at like our um like our amphitheater type thing, you know, it was cool. I mean, it was what it was. Um, you have to do the hard things. You have to make the call you're afraid to make. You have to get up earlier than you want to get up. You have to give more than you get in return right away. You have to care more about others than they care about you. You have to fight when you're already injured, bloody and sore. You have to feel unsure and insecure when playing it safe seems smarter. You have to lead when no one else is following you yet. You have to invest in yourself, even though no one else is. You have to look like a fool while you're looking for answers you don't have. You have to grind out the details when it's easier to shrug them off. You have to deliver results when making excuses is an option. You have to search for your own explanations, even when you're told to accept the air quote facts. You have to make mistakes and look like an idiot. You have to try and fail and try again. You have to run faster even though you're out of breath. You have to be kind to people who have been cruel to you. You have to meet deadlines that are unreasonable and deliver results that are unparalleled. 
You have to be accountable for your actions, even when things go wrong. You have to keep moving towards where you want to be, no matter what's in front of you. You have to do the hard things, the things that no one else is doing. The things that scare you the most and you put off. The things that make you wonder how much longer you can hold on. Those are the things that define you. Those are the things that make the difference between living a life of mediocrity and outrageous success. The hard things are the easiest things to avoid, to excuse away instead of to attempt to do, to pretend like they don't apply to you. The simple truth about how ordinary people out comp- accomplish outrageous feats of success is that they do the hard things that smarter, wealthier, more qualified people don't have the courage or desperation to do. Do the hard things. You might be surprised at how amazing you really are and the impact on your business. And that was from Jim McCarthy when I was doing Inner Circle uh, of Maine, like the sales stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced to you by Taylor Miller.